Well, hello, friends. Uh, welcome uh, to another time of Bishop and the Moose. I'm the Bishop, Barry Klingen. This is the Moose, Kirk Moose, Moose Ministries, that uh, joins me here uh, t- uh, this evening. We're going to spend some time together tonight to talk, as we've been doing along the way in these episodes, and uh, talk about some things that will encourage you in your spiritual life, help you see some things uh, uh, more clearly. Uh, Kirk, it's always good to have you here Right beside me. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing excellent, and it's so wonderful to be here with you all again. Uh, the bishop and I tonight, we really want to just have a conversation. Yes. And as we talk, we really want to try to delve in and really kind of talk about how do we discover mm-hmm. God's vision for our lives, and yes. what exactly does that mean? Yeah, I want to go back a little bit, if I can. Uh, there was a story that we used in our last session uh, that uh, is a story of Jesus healing a blind man, and it was so full of revelation in it. We spent our entire time talking just the one point about how Jesus led this man out of town and out of his familiar surroundings to a blind person. That was very important. But what it taught us was that Jesus will lead us to our outside of our comfort zone uh, when we hear from him. But moving forward, this man received his uh, uh, physical vision. He was blind, and then he was able to see when Jesus was through with him. What we're learning from it, looking back at it, is there's some great teaching below the surface here about how God gives us our spiritual vision in life. We learn from the natural in this setting uh, right alongside the spiritual and, and learn from it. One of the things in my ministry, I guess, that um, most people would associate with uh, my theme uh, for a lot of my preaching and a lot of that I've done the different churches I've pastored is that I'm real passionate about people discovering their destiny, about people finding the dream of God for their life, uh, and their passion, uh, vision. We All of those terms are nuanced a little bit, but uh, we're going to talk about vision tonight because it, it fits clearly with what is uh, in the scripture here. And there's a very important verse uh, on vision. The most important verse, I guess, in the Bible, people quote it all the time. And the old key James says it this way. It says in Proverbs twenty nine eighteen, where there is no vision, the people perish. But as it has been more correctly uh, translated uh, to be more uh, uh, to what the original actually says, we would say this, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. Now, that's really the same thing, but that latter part is really more clear to what the text saying. If there is no revelation, if there's no uh, uh, revelation from God about where you're to go, people go every which way. you know. But when there's a clear standard revealed by God, then we're all moving in the same direction, and uh, we're not casting off uh, restraint. I, I've always illustrated this, uh, Kirk, all, all my ministry in teaching people that when God gives you a vision for your life, when you know where he's directing you, maybe it's a particular uh, vision for a particular time, or maybe it's overall, whatever it may be, when he gives you that, it's, it's like a, a flowing, mighty stream or river. I grew up on the banks of the Tennessee River, and a big river, you know, coming through Chattanooga, Tennessee, dammed up there into a big lake, Chickamauga Lake. But uh, that part of you see that river flowing all the time, the current taking it downstream. But on both sides, there's a bank. And when you think of God's will for your life, you know, you think of that vision God puts before you, then you need to set up banks. You're going to do that. Why? You're going to have some things that you do not do, you will not do. Because if you do them, they're going to take you off on some tributaries and not towards your goal. 
And then on the other side, you look at it as there's the things I'm going to do that are going to feather me and quicken me to move down towards the goal of, of what God has for my life. And that, that sounds very simple, but that's very big because, you know, what all of us have done, we've all taken some side trails. And when we do, we're not doing what is, uh, you know, supports or directs us towards uh, the fulfillment of, of our vision in life. When I talk about vision, purpose, destiny, dreams, all of these things, um, I have found something, Kirk, through the years that I really recognize. It's, it's been, you know, sometimes it's happened in my own life, but I've really seen it in God's people. And uh, that is that uh, along the way, there's a lot of frustration uh, with people because, uh, and, and most of the time, it's silent frustration. People go out, go about being faithful, faithful oh, yeah. in their home, faithful in church, and all that. But inside, they've got this gnawing doubt. I thought I'd be further along than I am right now in my life. I, you know, my life uh, vision has not accelerated as the pace of my years that are passing by, and you know that brings about a little, a little, you know, frustration, uh, a lot of frustration. And like I say, a lot of times we just eat it and are quiet about it, uh, and just go on and be faithful and do what we're doing. But there it still is there a little bit. So we want to just you know talk a little bit tonight about how how do you discover. Uh, that vision. How do you? How, what, what do you do in your life to discover it, and then, you know, put up the rails, put up the banks, and get to it, moving towards uh, uh, that vision. Uh, how, how is that revealed in your life? How how is the vision revealed, and how what have you done as a result of that? Well, I think first of all, when I was young, I, I'm guessing somewhere around 12, 13 years old, I was at church, and of course, they had a prayer service. And I was standing in line, and I, it's like I just knew that I was called to ministry. And then, of course, you know, the Lord was quick to confirm that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he didn't really give me a lot of insider information. He didn't really peel back the the veil, so to speak, you know. Mm-hmm. The but details. The details. About, yeah. yeah, and the further that I pressed into him, the more information I got. So it's like he says, when you draw near to me, I draw near to you. Mm -hmm. Well, when I really got interested to see what it was God had planned for my life, and I intentionally began to press into him, pressing him also for information. It's kind of like going, hey, daddy, hey, daddy, hey, daddy, hey, daddy. You know, that reminds (laughs) me of a parable of the widow and the judge. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, the widow kept coming to the judge. I want justice. I need justice. And it wasn't because the judge feared man or anyone else. It was because the widow kept badgering him that yes. he finally said, okay, fine, I'll give you justice, that he finally made a move. Well, it was almost like the kid that keeps coming to the dad said, hey, can I have a sucker? Can I have a sucker? Can I have a sucker? Fine, just take the sucker and leave me alone. Well, it wasn't that same attitude that I had, but it was more, Lord, I love you. Lord, please show me where you're taking me. Show me what path I have. And then I even would start taking it a step further. I would withdraw to places. Mm -hmm. And since you grew up in Tennessee, you know what I mean. You can always find a place in the woods that's out in the middle of nowhere to begin to pray and to Mm -hmm. read your Bible. And the more I would withdraw into the secret place, literally away from people and make myself available only to him, I found that he would begin to pull back the veil just a little bit and start giving me glimpses. Yes. He still wouldn't all, he generally wouldn't give me full access. He still wasn't really peeling it fully back. If I go back to our, our blind person in Mark chapter 8, verse 22, whom Jesus healed, 
uh, something very, there's always something unique about every healing that Jesus did. But in this one, he, of course, led the man out of town, got him out yes. of his familiar surroundings, got him out of his comfort zone. But then it said this, he, he touched him and he said, what do you see? And the man responded in some way, you know, I see men like trees walking. I mean, he was only seeing a, a little bit. And then the Bible specifically says Jesus touched him again. And, uh, you know, one of the things you learn from that, I believe, in the spiritual vision for our life, too, is that just what you're saying, spiritual vision comes in stages. It yes. comes, you know, we we just about, you know, I know this. I mean, we, we all say this, but uh, as the dean in this room uh, with the gray hair, I just say that of all the things I went through in my life, I, I think if God had, show, had given me that whole dump of everything I was going to face, and what I was going to go through, I would have ran to the mountains and cried for the rocks to cover, you know, because I would have thought there's no way I can survive that. There's no way I can do it. But his grace has been sufficient along the way. And that vision, though, overall, like to me, is the same thing. I had a, a calling, a very clear, very clear in my life, sitting on the front second row or so at, at Central Baptist Church with Dr. Ron Phillips preaching um, First Peter 5. He was preaching God's portrait of a pastor. And while everybody was ministering at the end of his message, I went by myself down to the altar, got on my knees and said, God, you sure you want to call me? Because you know who I am. And, and uh, I knew that he was. And I knew right there. I didn't tell anybody. I didn't make a public thing about it. But I knew then I was called. So I knew I was called to be a pastor, but I was also about 18 years old. And I'd just been a, become a Christian six months before this oh, yeah. or something. So I wasn't ready to go pastor a church. That was obvious. But... Uh, but I knew what my life calling was, and therefore I began to set up uh, my education. And, uh, you know, my pastor would tell me later, if you get invited to preach, I don't care if it's the Lady Sewing Club, you know, to give a devotional, or you go, go, go. And he directed me so well because I would go to jails, I'd go to detention centers, uh, I'd go to uh, nursing homes, I went everywhere and, and preach. So what am I doing? I've heard from God what I'm going to do. I don't know everything. But I'm beginning to do some things and not do some things yep. that are furthering me uh, along the way until more revelation uh, comes in my life. I, I, I say that about everything that would scare me. I, I think about some of the uh, difficulties uh, that I've had. Uh, you know, I think uh, also of uh, some of the challenges you know that have come along the way. I think of things that have happened because of my own rebellion and my own, mm -hmm. my, my own choices. Uh, that took place, but I also think of just the difficulty, the the friends that have walked away. Uh, you know, uh, my wife and I lost a child that we knew was going to be our miracle child, and and we went through that whole experience. You know, those those type of things. If it's those things I'm talking about, if I had known, and I think anybody could say that about their life if they oh, look yeah. back and of the difficulties that have been there. So God's gracious, and you know, I love to say in that passage, Kirk, that you know. It's obvious Jesus did not have a power shortage. That doesn't happen. You know, Jesus right. didn't touch him one day. Well, I didn't pray much this morning, so I don't. I couldn't fully heal him with one touch. You know, it wasn't that at all. It was a, a matter of, you know, what do you see? And this man went from saying, I'm blind, to I can, I can see men like trees, to I can see clearly. And so his, right. his vision came in stage, his physical vision, and our spiritual vision comes in stage. Uh, talk, talk a little bit about uh, Kirk. Uh, about some of the practical things you did in your life, uh, about working with others and those type things as you began to develop and move towards the vision for your life. Well, I think one of the biggest things that kind of opened the doors even further for me 
was as I began to serve other people's vision. Mm. And a lot of people in today's world, they don't want to hear that. Mm-hmm. They just want to say, throw me in the slingshot and throw me where I'm supposed to be. Mm. Well, I think that's where most people short circuit their vision. Mm-hmm. Because God is trying to prepare you for success, but you haven't allowed yourself to go through the pressure that'll go, well, that will be created when you go and serve another man. Why? Because we're all human. Mm-hmm. We all have flaws. We all have issues. We, guess what? That vision may not be exactly like your vision, and it may cause you to not do what you want to do. But you know what? As you serve that vision, the Lord will see you faithful in the little things, even though that thing's not a little thing for God. Mm -hmm. For you, since it's not your primary vision for your life, for you it's not like the pinnacle, but you treat it like it's the pinnacle. Yes. You treat it like it's the most honored. And as you treat it like it's the big thing, you go ahead and allow yourself to be positioned by God because he'll say, hey, look at my son. Look at my daughter. Yes. They're being faithful with the little they were given. Mm-hmm. And the next thing you know, he begins to put more on you. He begins to open up the door to yes. where your capacity has been enlarged. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Well, it's like this. Because you asked about how yeah. things kind of unfolded for me. Like at Abba's house where we both kind of grew mm-hmm. up. Um, when I first moved back to Tennessee, I began serving them as a life group leader. Well, actually, an assistant life group leader. Mm-hmm. Well, never in my life have I ever wanted to go teach a life group. Of course, like you, I was like, Lord, really, you want to call me? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, <laughs> so to me, it was mm-hmm. it was never something I sought, but he sought me. Yes. So, but anyway, I began to serve as an assistant life group leader. And from there, I became a life group teacher of another class myself. And from there, I began to serve as a deacon. Mm-hmm. And then from there, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I, I became, mm-hmm. um, the, what do they call it? Um, I was over one of the committees. The, yeah, like a, just chairman of the committee? Chairman or, of yeah. one of the committees, yeah. deacons in training. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, I never in my life saw myself as a teacher. Mm-hmm. But God knew little areas of my life mm-hmm. that needed to be chipped away. Think about it like this. The great statues that they have in Italy mm-hmm. and all the museums and all around the world, when the artist looked at the stone, did they say, I need to remove yes. the stone? No, they said, I need to remove these pieces of stone from David mm-hmm. or whatever yes. work they were working on. Why? Because they knew there was pieces that didn't belong. Well, I believe God sees each and every one of us and says, there's a little chip here and a little chip there that needs to be removed. And it's going to take this process to begin to change them into the image that I've created them to be. And so he knew he needed to remove certain prejudices that I have, such as I did not want to go into the mission field. Mm-hmm. I did not mm-hmm. want to preach. I yes. did not want to teach. So yes. I did not desire those things, and I had a attitude against those things. Mm-hmm. So he knew he had to take me down a path to where I would be willing to do whatever it was he wanted me to do. Mm-hmm. And as I began just to be obedient in the little things, guess, he continued to grow it to the point to where we ended up launching a, a school of ministry mm-hmm. and began to have tremendous growth. Yes. And all from a person who did not want to teach, teach yeah. did not yeah. want to preach, yeah. did not want to... And the thing is, is, it had nothing to do with 
what my desire was because my desire was about my perception of me. Yes. He yes. saw the big picture. Yes. He saw yes. the potential. Oh, wow. He said, wow, Kirk, you could do this. Yes. Look what you could do. And the thing that even drove me, you know, to even start looking at teaching is he started whispering for almost six months to me. My mm -hmm. people perish for lack of knowledge. Mm -hmm. Every mm -hmm. day, multiple times per day, mm -hmm. I kept hearing, mm -hmm. my people perish for lack of mm -hmm. knowledge. And I was like, Lord, I, eventually I got to the point, I know, Lord, I know, I know, <laughs> Lord, I know. And so it, it got to the point to where I had to say, okay, what am I going to do about this? Yes. You know, it almost got, yeah. to, like we talked about, yeah. I think the last session, yeah. where we talked about, you've got to find what you're angry about. Yes. You know, yeah. well, I had to, I, I had to realize, okay, there's a major problem. God's mm -hmm. been shaking me to my core for six months. Mm -hmm. Something's got to be done. You know, one of the things in you in you sharing that I'm I'm sitting there listening, thinking about, is that you know when you decide, you know, you went and you were a assistant life group leader. You know, you were you know and you doing these things, and you know, so many times today we you know and. and I, I felt, and so did Kirk. You felt called to ministry, and I felt yep. called specifically to, to, to shepherd, you know, be a shepherd in the body, and all of those things. But you know, one thing you learn about God is that God is so much more interested in the root structure and yes. preparation than He is the flowering or the growing of of, of that. And uh, you know, you, you don't like that, but you know, it was Moses who spent forty years. On the, I always love it, the backside of the desert. Not just the desert, the backside of the desert. Forty years, this man that was going to be the greatest. But, you know, he had to, God had to prepare him. And, uh, you know, God is so interesting. I remember one time early in my ministry, I was really struggling. I had a big assignment to preach at this, you know, big, large thing. And I was so worried about it. I couldn't get the message. It wasn't coming together right. I was really struggling. It was late at night, and I called an older uh, pastor that I had become really good friends with, and I just, well, I just struggled. And he told me this, and I've never forgot it. He said, uh, just remember this, Barry, God has no trouble with the message. He just yes. has trouble getting the messenger ready. And ah, that is so true. The message <laughs> is clear. And it's not a matter of, you know, strain. that strain was getting me ready, you know, to do that. And so when you think about serving someone else's vision, or you think about being an assistant group you know, leader or whatever, you know, it is, you think of that just being so low on the totem pole, but, but that's where it begins. Or, you know, we don't just go out. The ones that I have seen that some have tried to push into huge positions too quick, never ends well, never ends well because they have not toughened their character up over time to be prepared and ready uh, uh, for that. And I, you know, I know when I, I can remember just so well one time, uh, in, in my, uh, when I was associate pastor serving uh, a pastor, and I, I was like, you know, there was an issue that came up. And again, you got to remember, I'm 25, 26 years old. And, you know, this one particular individual in the church had actually been saying very negative things about the pastor. And I had just taken it up to here, and I just confronted him. And then when I confronted him, the, you know, it got a little loud and got a little angry. And uh, so the next day, my door to my office opened up. Here comes Dr. Phillips in, sits down, and uh, he says, you are 100% right, but you are 100% wrong. You have to learn that if you do it in the wrong way, it doesn't matter whether you're right or not, and you did That's it in right. the wrong way. I had to learn my lesson about that. That was a simple thing, uh, but, but it was important, and all of those lessons were important learning under someone. Do that. I had a pastor just recently tell me, 
that uh, he's actually out of the ministry now in, in uh, another field. But he said, if I had it do over again, I would have found a pastor and gone and served him rather than running out to pastor my own church and getting started that way. And, and I just, by I didn't sit down and make that my goal. It just happened. You know, it just happened yep. that way. But thank God it did because it really, you know what it led to? It led to me being 29 years old and not only being shepherded by this pastor before I, I actually worked for him uh, to preach and to, you know, uh, to do well. I went to school and seminaries, graduate school. So they've gone to college and gone now they're in three years in seminary and they'd get out and they never even preached a sermon. Well, by the time I went to seminary, I'd already pastored a church, a little country church, but I had preached a lot of big events, and, and you know, that's the way you get the experience of doing it. So, so he was able to do all that. Now, now, Kirk and I are sharing this because both of us, ministry, called in ministry. That was the vision uh, for our life. I want to I touch on some real practical things here right quick, Kirk, uh, for everybody, not just those who, because, you, know, you know, we always tend to think we want it, you know, ministry's the ultimate, you know. If you're called to whatever you're called to do and your vision is to do it well, uh, you know, it's just as important, just as important as anything else. So, you before, we get, yeah, before we get too deep into the mm -hmm. practical things, could you expound for everybody just a little bit about why it's important for God to develop the root system? Oh, uh, you know, I mean, you think it's just the very obvious in the natural. Uh, you know, we had a, we had, really bad storms that we have here yes. in Texas all the time uh, come through recently. And, and when it did, we had just planted four beautiful trees, expensive trees, uh, out by our, our nice church sign. And the, because those trees had just been planted, and we had this unbelievable inches of rain, I mean, it was just an incredible downpour. And then these great, great winds, it lifted those trees out and knocked them over. These are $1,000 a piece trees nearly. Yep. And, and look what happened. They had not developed the root structure yet to be able to withstand the difficulty. And so the root structure is everything. And, you know, I, I would add to that, Kurt, uh, you know, to really understand how important this is to God, Understand this. He allowed Jesus, the Son of God, to spend 30 years in a carpenter's shack in Nazareth, nearly, yes. and then three years of ministry. And what do we do today? We go to three years of preparation at seminary or something and then do 30 years of ministry. Uh, God was so much more interested in the timing and the preparation. And when that happened, those three years became incredibly significant. Joseph was another one that comes to mind as well. Yes. Joseph got the vision. Yes. He ended up as a slave, from a slave mm -hmm. a prisoner, and then from a prisoner, God moved him into the palace. But yes. it took that time frame of him serving yes. in whatever yes. capacity and being faithful to develop the proper root system and, and attitude to make sure that he would not be disqualified when his moment came. That That is... See, that right there you could talk about forever. Uh, bringing into, let's bring in some real practical yes. things for you. And here's what I would say. Number one, I would say this, and this sounds so obvious, but it's so important, and that is pray. If you're at a point in your life where you're thinking, I thought God was going to do this, and uh, you know, you felt something maybe as a child, teenager, young adult, God gave you some vision of, of what was going to happen, and now your life's kind of gone some different directions or whatever, pray. Ask God. I, I, I can't say it more. more. Yes. If you ask the Holy Spirit to show you vision in your life, get ready. I mean, if you ask, he'll tell. 
And, and, there, and there'll be some profound way through the scriptures, through another person, uh, through the multitude and myriad ways that God can speak. He'll, he will clearly, uh, and, and it's never too late. It's never too late. To me, that's where I, you know, sometimes, you, you know, as I age a little bit, I'm not old, uh, but as I age a little bit, you start thinking, wow, you really see this, you know, wouldn't it have been nice to have all this wisdom when I was 20? Uh, you know, and, 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 and have the energy and wisdom together. And, and, you know, of course, every person's done that in their life when they, when they move along. But God doesn't work that way. God, God uses it. And I, I realize that my life's purpose in the next five years could be fully realized, next three years. You know, something that he prepared me for, everything I've been through is bringing me that point. So pray and, and don't, don't uh, grow weary. And, you know, Kirk mentioned one thing uh, earlier that I think is very critical and a lot of people that are younger or older, anybody, brand-new Christians of any age, you know, what is God's purpose and vision for my life? And, you know, Rick Warren wrote a great book, Purpose Driven Life. Absolutely oh, yeah. wonderful. I had uh, uh, lunch with him in New York City out on a, at a little uh, deli one time right after he had written The Purpose Driven Church. And uh, what a magnificent, wonderful man he is. But he... Um, he wrote this, and he, he identified basically the four or five purposes in the, that are universal for all of God's people, you know, worship, fellowship, sonship, all those type of things. What we're talking about is a specific vision. You know, you know, Rick Warren on steroids, you know, what is it God has for Barry Klingon? What does God have for Kirk Moose? What does God have for you? And doing that. And one of the key things is when you go through life every day, what makes you angry? Mm. What I know. I mean, what what stirs you? Uh, you know, do you you know? Listen, here here's how simple it is. I believe, and I've, I've adopted this in the last several years, but I believe the kingdom of God. My my definition, and there, it's the rule of God. But but my definition is the kingdom of God is life as God intended it. So anytime you look out in the world and you you see God life as God didn't intend it, and it makes you angry, you, you watch out. That might be the passion. That might Look at Moses in Scripture. He looked out one day once he discovered who he was, and he saw Egyptian beating a Hebrew, and he said, that makes me so angry that he went and did something. They did it in the flesh, had to flee for 40 years and get prepared, but it manifested his vision because that's ultimately what he did. He delivered an entire nation of Hebrews from right. the Egyptian slaves. So you can, you, know, you can look at it anyway, but what is it that stirs you? you know, do, do you look out and learn some things about human trafficking? about women mainly being trafficked? And does that just kind of get you to the point of saying, wow, that shouldn't happen in a day and age that we live in. We should be way beyond something like that. But then you realize just how powerful. Does that bother you? Maybe there's a ministry awaiting a birth that you're going to lead uh, to, to, to go against that. It could be anything. You, don't, you know, we think of it in ministry. It may be a job, an occupation. Right. But you're going to do, do something where someone's not living life as God intended, and you're going to help them see it, change it, in a way that they can. You mentioned, Kirk, I know we're, our time's about to run out here tonight, but you mentioned something I wish you could say about uh, when you, uh, you know, start going on missions and the first ones you went on, something made you angry, and that very much clarified your, your goal. T tell that real quick if you can. Oh, I can definitely share that. I was in Nicaragua with, with a church serving, and every time the mission bus would drive into a different part of the city, another mission bus would pass ours. And it just started rubbing me like sandpaper on the inside. And it literally just started making me feel aggravated. And yeah. it wasn't the, that they were there. I was glad they were there. 
But to me, it felt inefficient for them to be crossing yes. paths with yes. us. And my thought was, why are we not working hand in hand? Why do not? Why don't we, as the body of Christ, work together for a common good to make best use of our resources? And so that really itched me or scratched me, I guess you could say. Yeah. And so I was thinking, what can I do? Well, the first thing I started to do is kind of just like what Pastor Barry did. Okay, where are people not normally going? Yes. Where can I make yeah. the best impact for God? Yes. And then I started yeah. saying, Lord, open doors to where I can be more effective for you and your kingdom. And, well, lo and behold, the, the door was open for me to go into the, yeah. to Peru, into the Amazon jungle. Yeah, and, and see that I, I'm I'm the same way as he is. You know, I, I, I you go on a mission trip and you get there and you see 500 other missions going on there, and you think that's great. They need it. It's wonderful. It's going on, but that's you know I want to go somewhere. It's hard. You know, I went to India for years, and India is so big, and I'm mean, big in terms of people, billion people, that you can have a ministry there that's unique and different. And uh, even though there's lots of ministries in, in that wonderful nation, and I did that for a while, the whole thing with uh, uh, going to the Amazon, I, I, invariably, and I know this probably happened to you too, people will tell me, yeah, I've been to the Amazon. And when I asked them further, they say, well, I've been to Quitos and I did a mission out of there. Well, again, you go to Quitos, you pass the buses, you know, you see the churches, you see, and it's all good. It's all great things that happen, but we go eight to 12 hours up the river yes. uh, to a village that then reaches other smaller villages all in that area where no one is uh, is touching them. And that, you know what, that becomes a little bit of why we're brothers and share a passion in that, that we can go there and make a difference. Here was a pastor, a missionary out in the Britannia, in the middle of nowhere. And he's got a vision to build a ministry center, a supernatural uh, 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 ministry center to teach pastors in that area. And he knows no one. He has no contacts. He, he there, there's, you know, how's it gonna get done? He puts the little bit of money they've saved into building a foundation and then prays. And there was a man that uh, just recently went to heaven out of our church named Carl, who was a real prophet in our church. And he, he said a hundred times to us, he said, the faith of Peru. So God looked all over the world and when he looked all over the world, said, Who, who's going to get to answer this man's prayer deep in the Amazon? And uh, Dr. Bobby Atkins at, at Truth Tabernacle, Kirk Moose with Moose Ministries in Chattanooga, Bobby in Atlanta, uh, me and, and Trophy Club, you know, we all were the ones. And we've been able to help him with, you know, tens of thousands of dollars to have better equipment, yeah. build a school, do all these things. We're not near finished what we're going to do, but uh, we've been able to do that. So anyway, and we, we talk, you know, it, it, sometimes we always bring it back to ministry. Well, that's what we are. That's what we do. Right. And and uh, but whatever it is, whatever it is, somewhere you see life that's not as God intended it. When you see uh, injustice, when you see uh, things that are not right, and, you know it may be. It may be. I heard of a, of a guy that got all or a woman actually that was very upset and almost angry that in her local uh, public elementary schools. They, the kids couldn't read, and they didn't have enough teachers. And so she started a ministry where, where businessmen and women would come into the schools once they begin to read to the kids, make it exciting, and she's made a difference in that one school. Well, that's finding a vision, finding something, go. and making a difference. And now that life is more as God intended it there uh, in that place. I said, you know, pray, whatever, you know, whatever makes you you know, stirs you. It don't, it don't 
so much anger, but it is anger, but, but stirs you inside uh, is a good indicator uh, of that as well. And, I, you know, I just, you know, just encourage you with those two things just alone. It is enough there. Our, our guy in Scripture that we modeled this off of was an actual blind man who got his uh, vision. And, uh, you know, Jesus didn't leave him with That's a right. half of a vision. When he could only see men as, as trees walk, he encouraged him all the way to the end and to see fully. And like we said, it comes in stages, but more and more and more you begin to see your life purpose and, and what, it, what it is about. There's something else that just struck me about that. You know, Jesus took him away from the city. Mm-hmm. He took him out, away from his surroundings. Could it not also be so that it was not something that was massively public? Yes, yes, It had yes. nothing to do with yes. making his name That's bigger. Good. But yeah. it had everything to do with the work. It's just like yes. when Jesus went to Samaria and ministered to the Samaritan woman. Mm. He made a detour. The disciples mm. were like, why do you want to go through Samaria? Why? Mm-hmm. He knew he had to make an impact with the Samaritan people. Mm-hmm. And so he, and right. this is going to mess with some people, he spent all the mission budget <laughs> to reach one person <laughs> in a place that was considered unclean Ooh. and not acceptable to reach. Meddling. <laughs> so it, it had nothing to do with trying to make a name for himself and yes. it had everything to do with reaching someone for the gospel yes i'd love to hear from you uh about ways god has spoken in your life about uh you know the the purpose and vision for your life and how it's developed and some of the frustrations you have sometimes when uh you talk to people that's where you really realize uh you know you're hearing different people in different circumstances and so uh drop me a line at be clinging at trophylakes.org or mooseministriesinc.com has uh kirk's uh, website has a uh, a prayer request page where you can connect there as well let us let us know what you're thinking about this we uh we realized real quickly this 30 minutes goes by so fast and oh, we were does. wondering now is this enough to, oh my goodness you know just to have a conversation about this and not even really be prepared just to talk about it gives us an ability to see just how much is in this and uh, for people's lives so we'd love to hear from you so you could uh, kind of help us understand something there's so much to say about that it's a it's probably one of my life passions in ministry is seeing people uh, discover their dreams uh, uh, you know discover their destiny their purpose in life uh, it's just nothing nothing makes me more satisfied than to see someone get turned on to the Lord, and especially someone who's mothballed their dream or their or vision. In other words, they had a dream years ago, yes. but life tumbled in, and they said, oh, I can't do it now. And to see them get it re-energized, pull it out, dust it off, and go for it where, wherever they are uh, in life, that's, just, that's something that just encourages me deeply. And guys, if there's something you would like to hear us talk about during yes. one of our conversation times, you can email Pastor Barry, or you can go to the MooseMinistriesInc.com website, Click on contact. Just fill out the contact form in the comments area. Just put in, hey, we would love to hear Bishop and Moose talk about X, Y, Z. You know, whatever it is that you're wanting to talk about, for us to talk about. And uh, we'll pray over it. And then we'll see if we can work it into one of our our sessions. You know what? We've gone over, Mr. Moose. And uh, that's never happened to me in my whole ministry. Every member of any church I've ever pastored said it right. You know, and uh, it's an exciting topic to talk about. But God bless you this evening. Thanks for joining us. We hope you'll be back with us again when we gather on Tuesday nights at 7 o'clock and Saturday nights at 7 o'clock. We look forward to joining with you again soon. God bless. God bless you.